Welcome to another episode of Crazy Women Unite. And here, I hope you feel like you're not that crazy. (laughs) On this episode, I dive into sharing my own sexual abuse stories that were inspired after watching the documentary of the scandal of the USA Gymnastics team. So there's a little voice in my head that's saying, don't record, don't push that button. <laughs> you can't do too many quote-unquote heavy topic episodes in a row, otherwise people are going to lose interest. <laughs> Show them some of the light, fun side part of you. <laughs> like, because I was there earlier today. <laughs> Because I finished Game of Thrones, I had HBO open, hoping maybe a magically another episode would appear because I really want to watch it. I'm going through withdrawal. And I saw this gymnastics documentary. Um, and I think growing up with my little brother being so obsessed with gymnastics and figure skating, it's just always been part of my interest too. Like, just the enjoyment of watching him enjoy it, you know? And I was like, oh, what's this documentary about? Not knowing what it was going to be about, not knowing that for the next hour and a half, I'd be bawling my eyes out, feeling um, into the scandal that happened. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. (laughs) I don't watch the news, so it was the first time I heard about it. But it's called, I think the documentary, it's on HBO called um, Heart of Gold inside the USA uh, Olympic gymnastic women's team or something like that. But it was about, um, I think his name is Nassar, um, the doctor for Michigan State University and also the USA gymnastics team and a lot of the elite gymnastics um, forces, like how he had been sexually abusing girls, these teen girls, these young girls, um, for over 20 years and how it went under the radar for 20 years and hearing that story is just like so shocking on every level and it's like it hits my core you know like a lot of people were saying well no way like everyone knew him as super nice You know, he was like the nicest guy and like kind of a doofy, you know, uh, doofus kind of guy. Um, And was just so interested in the girls' lives and families and would like like their stuff on Facebook and Instagram and like was the best friend. And see, that's the fucking thing, right? With all, with these pedophiles, with these people who commit crimes, it's like, I think we have this idea of what they are going to look like. They're going to be this mean person or they're going to talk a certain way or act a certain way or you'll know. But it's like, that's the thing. Nobody knew. And it's like, okay, yeah, maybe they're just like so fucked up internally, mentally, you know, they're master manipulators um, or they don't even know. There's like so blocked out from their feelings. They have zero empathy to feel into what it is that they're doing 
you know, and they're just putting on a happy face. They know how to get these girls, how these, these young children to love them and to trust them. Like, so that these young women who were speaking out were like, you know, a lot of them were trying to convince themselves like to be quiet, you know, or, or they would come out with their stories of sexual abuse and the adults would deny it. I mean, I really recommend watching the documentary. Like, they did such a beautiful job of sharing the stories and kind of the mindset um, and the shame that went behind, that was behind all of this. And as I was watching it, you know, and this is the beautiful thing about us as women starting to speak out, not just women, but everybody starting to speak out. It's like we, we, as one person starts to speak out, it gives others a permission slip to start to speak out. Or it brings up memories that maybe you forgot about. Um, for me, as I was watching the gymnastics, it brought up all these memories of the sexual abuse that I encountered that I just brushed off. You know, as you watch this documentary, you're like, well, how did you not know? Like the doctor is putting a finger up your vagina and up your anus, you know, and he's got an erection. It's like, but then everyone's like, well, he's a doctor and everybody else goes to him or the girls would go to the other girls or like, is he doing that? And they're like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. He's a nice guy and would kind of brush it off. Um, and I had an instance, which I don't think I've shared publicly. I've told a lot of people, a lot of my friends and um, people in private, but um, when I was 15, um, I took, uh, Wing Chun Kung Fu, um, at the park district in, in my hometown. And I remember walking by and like loving, you know, just like the martial art and then thinking, oh, the, the, the Sifu, the teacher is really cute. I was with one of my girlfriends and we just are always like kind of, just silly and funny and so we're like oh my god let's take it you know let's just fucking do it together so we signed up for it and you know I think I had like a little bit of a infatuation towards him and sooner rather than later like all of a sudden like things started to happen between us um you know, when I was 15, like, I don't even think I had had sex at that point. Um, you know, I hadn't had any sexual encounters and didn't know anything. Like, I was so innocent and naive. Yet he would hold me after class. And um, it started by just kind of talking behind his Jeep, I remember, in the parking lot at night. And everyone would kind of chat, and I'd always be the last one to talk to him. And... You know, there's part of me, like, kind of wanting love from him or, like, really liking him. But then I remember, like, he grabbed me and stuck his tongue down my throat. And it was awful. Like, it was the... I just remember being so repulsed by it. But yet, wait, I was asking for this. Part of me wanted this. And I think he was probably 50 years old and I was only 15. Um... And it's one of those things where it's like, I think I had this feeling of like, well, I wanted this or I asked for this, you know, and I started to get really good at Wing Chun. I started to get, you know, I would spar and beat some of the older guys and um, I loved it as a sport. 
and then he would invite me over to his house for training and I think he offered me like free training sessions and me being the like bargain hunter that I was was like yeah I'll take up those free sessions and so I would go into his basement and practice and I remember like hitting those ball bearing bags until like my knuckles bled and he would like praise me and I would feel good about myself, you know, I think just underlying there was like this insecurity in me and him showing me affection and love and support like made me trust him and love him and you know, he was a really nice guy, like he was a really nice guy and I think it started to stop when... um the kissing turned to him taking down his pants and shoving his like genitals um, like against me. And then I remember he would like take my hand and put it on his cock and then put my mouth, like kind of put my, shove my head down there. And it was like weird because it was like, I, I was like, okay, like I kind of want this, but like, this feels disgusting, like, I don't like this, and him being older, I was like, I think it started to hit me, like, oh my god, he was old, you know, and now that I'm, like, almost 39, like, it's not that old, but I just remember, like, his cock was kind of, like, a weird, hard, flaccid, and, like, being really, like, repulsed by it, but yet not knowing what to do, and then I think, you know, I stopped going as much to the kung fu and I would like try to like escape after class and so I didn't have to like hang out in the parking lot afterwards I have to like confront him and I started making up excuses you know and I it was so hard because I was like fucking loved um the sport and wanted to still spar and play and but yet I didn't want to be around him. And I remember him still sending me emails, like even after I graduated high school and went to college and he wanted to come see me at my university. And, you know, he was married and had children, um, probably children close to my age, I think a little bit younger. Maybe they were like 11 or something. I don't remember. Um, and I think his wife was in a wheelchair and I think I asked him about his wife and he's like, well, she's, you know, not able to give me what I want and so like I kind of like could see his perspective is true and so like continued on with what I was doing and so like watching this documentary it brought up that memory um and it was like wow I just want to give a voice to this like to my little girl like that didn't have a voice at that time or like you know I think like part of me was like like, the most painful thing is, like, wow, I didn't, I don't want my parents or family to know, like, you know, like, they paid for my, like, kung fu class, and, like, they knew him and trusted him, and, you know, like, part of them, like, I didn't want them to feel bad, and so it's, like, wow, we suppress our voice because we don't want to hurt somebody else, or we're afraid of the repercussions of what they could do, and yeah, and it brought up another memory that I didn't even, it hadn't even registered to me as sexual abuse. And I think there's still a part within me that's still confused yet. I, if I really get fucking honest, like radically honest with myself, 
And I check inside, like, I know it was not right. I know it was not right. But again, it's one of those situations where it's like, exactly like the documentary. It's like, it was a well-respected person. And he also, he was a massage therapist. And he specialized in yoni, like vaginal massage. Um, and I had wanted to see somebody to help me with some sexual trauma healing. Um, I think that's when I started to first get memories of being sexually molested as a baby, um, as an infant, but not really knowing if it happened, but yet all of this trauma was starting to come up around it and memories and um, just things in my body and certain things started to happen. So anyways, um, the spiritual mentor that I actually talked about earlier today um, had recommended me to go see him. And he didn't live in L.A. He lived out of town. And he was coming into town for like a few weeks. And so he's like, you should get a few sessions with him. So my mentor, who I really respected and looked up to, was like, yeah, go see him. And a few of my really close girlfriends had also received sessions from him. And they were like, yeah, like he's great. Go see him. And so he was up in Santa Barbara. So I made the, you know, I was actually with my boyfriend at the time and he drove me up and he knew I was going to get this kind of treatment like uh, pelvic floor, like massage and trauma um, release on like the interior walls of my vagina. And so I knew what I was going into. So he dropped me off and... um it was in the evening. I remember we had a beautiful day in Santa Barbara and he dropped me off and I was on my period and, you know, go into the room and he darkens it and, you know, he's like professional about it, you know, in the beginning. He was an older man, a little over, like overweight, not attractive at all. And, but then as he started to do it, I could sense like almost like he started to flirt with me. And, like, it became really awkward really fast. But yet, there I was, naked on a table, already with legs, spread, you know, sprawled open with his fingers inside of me. And so at that point, it was like a freeze of, like, I can't speak out now. I can't tell him that I don't feel comfortable. And I think he asked, like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. But, like, you know, that, like, inner part of me that, like, was too afraid to speak up to say I don't feel comfortable and all the thoughts in my head was like no well your mentor like he recommended them and oh my god your friends did it so Callie you're just like you know this is just the trauma coming up just stay with your trauma just stay with your trauma um and just 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 keep going just keep going just breathe you're okay you're okay and then I remember him coming over to the side of the table and he took his pants down um, and his boxers down and he was like, you know, naked waist down. And he was like, I need to show you this part of the male anatomy. It's whatever, some trigger point or thing. And he grabbed my hand and put it on his testicle and made me like feel around on his testicles. And I just remember being so fucking repulsed, like wanting to vomit. And thoughts in my head of like, don't be a prude, like don't, like don't be a prude. 
yeah, and I went through the motions. And then I remember, like, at the end of the session, like, walking out, just starting to cry and cry and cry and cry. And it was like, I think he saw me start to cry and he was like, oh, this is just the trauma that's being released. And it was like, wow, no, it wasn't. <laughs> like, this is not okay. But I didn't have a voice at the time. And there's still part of me I can see even now of like, I don't even want to like, quote unquote, go after him or like, even like there's a part of me that's afraid that he's going to hear this or that my friends are going to hear this and like say, no, Callie, you were wrong. And that's the thing, like, even in that documentary, it's like even the women who started to speak up um, about the sexual abuse and sexual trauma um, many of them were faced with like their parent or um, the gymnastics coach or another girl saying, no, that didn't happen or, oh, you're just overthinking it, you know, and that's not it. That's not right. Like it, you, you, you know, that's just a medical treatment and, you know, but it's like, no, and you go in your fucking heart and you go in your body, you know, you know. But I get it. I fucking get it. That mind and the head and the fear doesn't want to admit it. Doesn't want to believe it to be true. And even I, I think I went into the car with my boyfriend. And I, I don't remember if I told him directly after. Or maybe it was... Um, later on but I think I told him what happened and he was so angry he was so angry and I remember like trying to calm him down because I was like no it's okay it's okay <laughs> oh, oh my god wow <laughs> it's so interesting all of this is coming up for me <laughs> like, all of this like past stories and traumas coming up and I'm just like oh just loving myself like yeah just giving myself a voice to start to speak it out you know there was part of me that was like oh wait until you can verbalize it correctly or you have like some like deeper things to talk about or you have more connections or wait until it's more integrated to speak about publicly it's like fuck all that shit you know let me just start to get a voice out there like you know and that was the amazing thing too in the documentary like the first woman who spoke out like you know I think she contacted a newspaper and they they went public and like from that article all these other women started to speak up. All these other women from gymnastics and MSU and all these places like started to stand up and say, me too, me too, me too. Like that happened to me, you know? And at first they wanted to stay anonymous, but as soon as one per one woman like started to say like, I announce me publicly, show my face, show my testimony, you know, um, others too. 
Oh, and they showed the court case where they had him there and all of the women got to speak their statement. And I think at first there was like, I think, I don't know how many, like maybe 50 women that were going to speak. And by the end there were like 300 or something like that. Just like, holy shit. Like the importance of us women like standing up and giving our voice um, you know, letting us speak and seeing our importance and our giving ourselves that validation and knowing that safety, that power, like for us to speak up and say, this is not fucking okay. You know, and I think that's a thing. Nazar talked about this. My friend talked about this on her webinar the other day um, which blew my mind and it's I feel it's so true it's like us women are such deep empathic beings and we can just have so much love and our hearts are so open like we can feel for these pedophiles or we can feel for these victims like you know and have so much compassion and love and understanding for them but it's like is that gonna fucking change like and and what she said was like almost um, she was speaking to how almost they have to suffer in order to start to feel because for somebody to be able to go and do that to a child like Nassar did with those teenage girls, you know, um, they can't like he, he's not mentally okay. There is so much unconsciousness. There is so much that's unempathetic like he cannot feel into these girls to see the trauma that he's creating in them and the pain that he's creating in them and what he's doing and so it's almost like our system you know at first I was like you know my thoughts before on it was like oh we just need to give them so much love and understanding and it's like wait no they have to suffer they have to like almost crack down and have so much pain and see what they did and suffer so that they can actually start to feel. So they can actually start to feel because they don't know what they're doing. Oh my God, it just, it made me so passionate, like wanting to support women to like speak and feel safe. You know, I was even talking to another friend today and she's had some really fucking traumatic things happen with a guy, her an ex-lover. And she's afraid to speak out about it because she's like, I've gotten death threats. Like I've gotten fucking death, death threats. And I know the horrendous things that he will do and the great length, lengths that he will take to go and do these things. So I'm afraid to speak up. So I fucking, like, get it. It's, like, scary. But I feel like, you know, uniting together, and that's what this documentary did so beautifully, like, the power of all of these women uniting together to support one another, to have a voice, to speak up, to share the story publicly. You know, I'm not saying you have to go out and speak your story publicly, but only you can know what what to do it's like you have to go into your own heart and start to feel what's there and give a voice whether it's to a best friend whether it's to me 
feel free to message me, whether it's to, you know, maybe for just a group or maybe you go live. I don't know what it is that you need to do. Like only you know that. And can you go in and listen to your heart and start to trust that and speak that out? You know, and also for me, it was like, you know, even my, you know, just those two stories that I shared um, on this episode, it's like, that's, you know, there was a part of me that never really wanted to share those stories because like, it's not that bad. They didn't actually rape me. They didn't put a penis in my vagina and torture me and they weren't mean to me. Like they were really, they're both really nice people, really nice people. So I think, you know, it's so easy sometimes to minimize our stories or compare it to somebody else's. Well, I wasn't traumatized for that. Like it only happened once or they didn't penetrate me or, oh, it was, you know, it wasn't as bad as so-and-so. We start to compare, we start to minimize. And so I just want to let you know that no matter what you've experienced, no matter how small you might think it is or meaningless, you know, you're not a fucking burden. You're, you're, it's not small. No matter how small, no matter how big, like you deserve to have a voice and feel safe to speak up and know that you are so loved and there's nothing fucking wrong with you. There's nothing fucking wrong with you. You're so perfect. You're so whole. You're so complete. You're so loved. You're so, so loved. Hmm. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Crazy Women Unite. I feel like there was so much more I wanted to share and talk about, but I'll leave it for that for now. And just know your voice matters. You matter. And you're so fucking loved. (laughs) 